This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very interactive edition of Equip. By now, you're already making plans, no doubt, for how you will spend Christmas. Some will have to work. Others will have the time off. I pray that everyone who's listening will make space and time to gather together with the people of God and the house of God to lift up the name of God. We need to be a part of a local church. But that is what prompts our discussion today. Today, I want to talk about those gathering plans you have with family and friends at your home or at the home of someone else. And as you think about those events, what is always true every year is that we have plenty of opportunities to have conversations with folks that are at different points in their journey of faith. For some, they have not come to believe in Jesus Christ at all. And there's certainly an opportunity for us to introduce Jesus as the centerpiece, the uh, the reason why Uh, This season is so significant, not losing sight of that amidst all of the shopping and all of the commercialization and all of the uh, celebration and the lights and the festivities of the season. We don't want to miss the importance of the news of the Son of God coming into the world to save men and women from our sins and to give us new life and an opportunity to have a relationship with God. But yet, I also recognize that there's also going to be people at your dinner tables that will have already had a history of Christianity in their life, but maybe are going through what has popularly become known as deconstruction. Another way of describing it is uh, maybe they're on a journey of rethinking their faith, leaving the Christian faith. Uh, letting go of the tenets of the Christian faith that they once held dear. I recently uh, had a a lunch meeting with uh, a pastor in our region, a brother in Christ, who shared with me uh, that his his daughter had come to a place where she in tears shared with mom and dad, I no longer believe what you believe, and I'm concerned on how you'll respond to the fact that I no longer believe what you believe. Well, as we talk through that conversation, what I realize is that that's happening multiply many times across many homes and families. And today, I want to help you. If you're a parent, a mom or a dad who has a son or a daughter who's going through the process of deconstruction, I want to talk to you about that. If you have a loved one who once was uh, committed to the faith and now they are no longer committed to the faith, I want to talk to you about that. And the reasons vary. 
but yet our heart and our love for them is consistent. So the phone number is 877-LIVE-675 to join the conversation. Would love to give you wisdom or be your prayer partner today as we uh, take your calls at 877-548-3675 for those loved ones that you are journeying with who are considering leaving the faith, walking away from Christianity. But I'm also so grateful to be joined today by a phenomenal guest, someone who I appreciate dearly, uh, Dr. Andy Bannister. Uh, Andy is a highly sought-after speaker. He's a writer. He's also a broadcaster. He's based in the U.K., and he's the director of the Solas uh, Center for Public Christianity. Now, that's an evangelism and training ministry. He has written several books, most recently, How to Talk About Jesus, Without sounding like an idiot. I love that. Andy joins me today. Hey, brother, how are you? Hey, Chris. Always great to uh, chat. Thanks for having me on the show. Great to be with you again. Well, thanks for helping us not to sound like idiots. I appreciate that. Uh, that is a great public service that you are paying to the body of Christ. Talk a well, I like bit to about... think as a, as a Brit, Chris, I have lots of experience in looking like an idiot. So <laughs> I've, I've had the practice in trying to figure out how not to. Oh, man. Talk a little bit about uh, the the project. And again, the number 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Andy? Sorry, Chris, you... you, Yeah, yeah, talk a little bit about that project, about how to talk about Jesus without looking like an idiot. What was your heart behind that? Hmm. Chris, well, in a sense, where that book goes back to, my first uh, job 25 years ago was working for a hospital in London, uh, where I grew up, and worked there for six years for the health service. And outside work, I was a very active Christian, very actively involved in my faith and my church. Inside work, I said nothing. I was an undercover Christian. I didn't talk to my colleagues about faith. I kept it hidden away. I think because I was afraid. I was afraid of so many things, afraid of looking like a fool, afraid of making God look bad, afraid of being asked questions I couldn't answer. So I became an undercover Christian. And, and eventually, as I went on in life, I got to know more mature, older, wiser Christians who I learned from and, and got a little bit better at talking about my faith. But then I began to realize I'm not alone in this. It's a very common experience I think Christians have. So what I wanted to do, Chris, was write the book that if I could you know, put it through a, a, a space-time wormhole and got into the hands of my 21-year-old self, oh, I'd have loved to have back then. So it's very practical. It assumes absolutely nothing, um, whether you've been a Christian for six days, six weeks, or six years. There's something in there. And also the other thing as well, I, hope to, I also hope it's very funny because I also found... A lot of books I read on evangelism and whatnot, they were great, but they were a bit they were a bit serious, a bit heavy. So I wanted to write a book for people who don't normally write, read this kind of book as well. Yeah. So if listening to that, that's you. You're afraid of talking about your faith. You think books on the subject are a bit heavy, a bit theological. You don't have the kind of brain for it. And hopefully um, the idiot book is the, is the one for you. Well, and that's genuinely who you are and disarming, but yet... Uh, very adept at being able to share the truths of the Christian faith. You know, what I run into more often Hmm. than not, Andy, is not so much people who don't want to talk about their faith as much as people who don't want to get into the debate. They don't want to argue. They don't want to get into 
being contentious. Does does faith sharing, does evangelism have to be a debate? Does it have to be contentious? And if not, how do we find a, a different way of going about sharing yeah. our faith in Jesus Christ with those who maybe are hostile against the claims of the faith? Interesting you ask that, because I think obviously some of us are wired for debate. You know, I, I I now I love debate. I, I find it I find it energizing. I've watched you in action. You're a you're a man who's confident that you're you know, for those of us who are in five foot, it's not always as easy. A um, couple of things I'd say. The first thing is right from the get-go, there are different styles of evangelism. You know, if you're not someone who's combative, then try not to be combative. If you try not to be and you try and be winsome, you try and be a bit more engaging, you try and lead with questions and listen well and 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 take the path of peace where you can you can be committed to truth but you don't need to get into a real a hostile kind of ding dong of an argument sometimes you can't avoid it but a lot of the time we can avoid it so that's the first thing if you're not wired that way maybe look for opportunities where you can you can you can work the way that god has wired you but there's a couple of other things firstly i think as christians we're sometimes that we are afraid of debate because our culture has told us that debate is a bad thing debate in and of itself chris is not a bad thing you can debate badly you can be rude you can be you know belligerent you can not respect the other person or you can debate with passion and conviction um, but do that in a way that respects the other person look at the apostle paul in the book of acts where he's there in ephesus we're told he rents the lecture hall of tyrannus for two years he contends he debates with the greeks and the jews the fact he's there for two years like getting run out of the city tells me that he's doing that in a way that that people love his passion and his energy even where they disagree with him so that's the the, 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 the second thing yes but the other yes. thing i think is when you meet if you're not sure to do and i talk about this in the in the idiot book question which by the way is what jesus does most of the time is a great way to engage so when i meet someone who's hostile i'm kind of confident dealing with that i've sometimes learned really so passionate about this you obviously feel very strongly about this andy i'm I'm gonna i I gotta jump in i gotta jump in because you're breaking up just a little bit our connection is breaking up just a little bit so i don't want to miss what you were saying so can you just uh, re- restate that part? Let's see if we can yeah, let me do that. He- he- hear you yeah, now. Sure. So you said the last thing was what now? So the third thing I would say, the last thing I said, Chris, is that we can, when we meet someone who's angry or belligerent, yes. we can, rather yes. than raise our voice level, we can take the Jesus way. And I, and I teach this in the, in the book a bit. We can lead with questions. So when I meet someone who's, who's hostile, I've taught myself, even though I don't mind a debate, sometimes to respond by saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, your passion. You're obviously very angry, very animated about this. Tell me, why is this? Why is that the case? What What is it that's driving you here? Because in your intro, you talked about people who've walked away from faith. Yes. Sometimes that's when you discover that. You know, I remember yes. having a conversation yes. recently where I, where I asked, and their response was, well, I'm angry because of what the church And it turned out they'd had a horrific experience and no wonder they were angry at anyone they saw as representing yes. the church but all to it because rather than respond with anger and respond by raising my my voice no i love i love I try that. to dig behind it i love that and i think that what is uh what is clear is that when we i, I love first uh, i love john chapter one rather verse 17 
which simply says, since the law came through Moses, grace and truth has come through Jesus Christ. And I think we live in a culture that tries to pit grace against truth or to treat these virtues as mutually exclusive, that somehow you can be gracious, but you... Uh, if you're going to be that, you can't hold on to the tenets of your convictions, or you can have passionate convictional truth, but uh, in mm. a cold-hearted way. But I love that Jesus's commitment to grace, leading with love and compassion and grace, did not somehow override his commitment to the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I mm. love that as a model for me that helps to frame for me yeah. Uh, Andy, how I want to engage. I want to make sure people mm-hmm. know I have genuine compassion for them, but I also want to make sure that people realize that the conviction I have around the gospel is because I really do believe it to be true factually, historically, and I also believe it to be true as a way of flourishing for the mm-hmm. human soul. Let's go to the phone lines. Terry's listening in Alaska. Hey, Terry, thank you so much for listening. How can we pray for you today? What's your comment, Terry? Hi, I've got a son who was wonderfully and had a beautiful relationship with Christ. Um, did social media posts uh, with devotionals and encouragements. And he's gotten married and fallen away from the Lord to the degree that now he is um, suffering from drug abuse, fentanyl specifically. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And. Our last conversation, he said, Mama, I don't need a preacher. I need a mama. And I said, you've got a mama that loves you, and so I have to tell you these things. Yeah. Are you you geographically close to him, Terry? Um, No. Unfortunately, I'm about 150 miles away. Okay. So you're not physically close. Well, first off, let me just say on behalf of Andy and myself that um, our our heart breaks for for you, uh, for your son, it is, uh, as a parent, uh, it's never easy watching your children go through not only a journey of uh, a faith that uh, is, is seeing them walk away from their relationship with the Lord, but also drug addiction and abuse. That is um, uh, doubly, doubly hard. And I'm so grateful for your commitment to him. I'm grateful that you can say to your son, you do have a mama. And uh, there's a lot of uh, what he said that I sympathize with, the very fact that he still wants a relationship with you is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I want to pray with you. I would love for you. We have to take a quick break. And uh, I'd love for you to stay with us because I want to give Andy an opportunity to respond as well. Uh, But Terry, if you're willing to stay with us, we want to pray with you for your sweet son. And we also want to give some encouragement and wisdom. Uh, So we're going to take a break. But Dr. Andy Bannister is our guest. So grateful that Andy is joining us today. And we want to be your prayer partner, your encourager, as you prepare for the holidays, in particular, bearing witness to those who are walking away from the Christian faith. To join the conversation, dial the number 877-548-3600. 75. We'll be right back right after this. 
If you're looking for a fresh way to look at the nativity story, then join author Nancy DeMoss Wagaman in reflecting on the wonder of Christmas through song. Born a Child and Yet a King is a 31-day devotional filled with fresh insights on the miracle of Christmas as you meditate on the greatness, glory, and goodness of our Savior. The devotional is yours with the gift of any amount to equip in December. Simply call 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Dr. Andy Bannister, author of How to Talk About Jesus Without Sounding Like an Idiot. He's my guest today. You can find out more about Andy, uh, his social media sites, as well as his website, on our website at equipradio.org. Uh, we're taking your calls at 877-548-3675. We're in particular praying for and wanting to share wisdom and encouragement with those of you who have loved ones who once were followers of Jesus, once were committed to the Christian faith, but now are on a journey of walking away from the Christian faith. We'd love to be able to take your calls at 877-548-3675. Let's go back to Terry, who's listening in Alaska. And Terry, uh, you shared uh, the story of your son, who you love, raised in a Christian faith, has walked away from that, and uh, also found himself in uh, a um, drug abuse situation. And uh, I wanted to give Andy an opportunity just to give whatever encouragement and wisdom you want, Andy, and then I'll pray. Andy, what would you like to say to Terry? Yeah, I just what, what Chris and my heart goes out to you, having had friends in, in some of the situations. Just a couple of things that I would add to the excellent advice, that, the things that Chris already said. Firstly, I, I always find it encouraging in these situations. I've had family members and friends myself who've walked away. Um, remember that God loves your son even more than you. However much you love him as a mum, God loves him infinitely more than that. So just lean on that and, and pray in with that reflection. Uh, in mind. That can be encouraging when times fall dark. And then I think secondly, lean into, keep reiterating your love for him, no matter what he does, or what he says, whatever he says about faith, whatever he does in terms of actions, you may explore the actions that you love him. But find ways, I think, to connect that love with the love that Christ has and to say that one of the reasons you love him is because you firmly believe that he's a child of God and, uh, and that your love for him and your love for Christ are bound up together. But then demonstrate that love by our action. I know you said you're 100 miles away. Uh, so, you know, li- reflect on there's only certain things you can throw over the phone, but when you're together, anything you could do to demonstrate that love that is unshakable, as I say, find ways to connect it to, to Jesus. Because love is, is in some ways best demonstrated rather than just spoken around. And you'll say, keep praying. Remember that God loves him infinitely more, even than you do. Yeah. I love that. And what a great reminder. Terry, if you don't mind, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for Terry. Thank you that as a mom, you're with her, that you promise to never leave her or forsake her. Thank you that you so love the world that you gave your son so that our sons and daughters might know you and might have uh, a relationship with the Father. I pray that you would heal whatever is wounding her precious son. I pray that you would bring him back to yourself, that you would restore first relationship with you and then relationship with her. And I pray, Lord, uh, most of all, that um, 
she would sense your presence near in and through all of this. Do the miracle of salvation and restoration that only you can. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Going to go to the phone lines again. Victoria is listening in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Love our friends there. Victoria, thank you so much for calling. How can we uh, pray for you today? Oh, thank you for taking my call. I have a son who's an adult son, has children, married, and he was raised in a Christian home. And now he believes that the Bible is a lot of folklore. Mm. It's not the inspired Word of God. Um, he does. He thinks hell is physically here on earth. And it's just, um, you know, it's just very disconcerting to me knowing, am I going to spend eternity with you, with yes. the Lord, or is, you know, where is your path leading you? Yeah. Well, I want to commend you again, like I did, Terry, uh, Victoria, for what a blessing it is to have a mom who is committed to you, that loves you. And so I commend you for that. Uh, that's that's a tremendous encouragement. And uh, yet you can hear the emotion in your heart, even as you talk in your words. So I want to give Andy an opportunity to respond. Andy, so many parents like Victoria are hearing their children say, I no longer believe the Bible is credible anymore. Hmm. How do you recommend responding to those claims that the scriptures are just folklore? Yeah, well, by the way, the, the, the first thing to say, Chris, and I'll jump into Victoria, it's also important when we're raising our kids when they're young that we make sure we're helping our kids understand why they believe things, not they believe things because we do. You know, my kids are 8 and 11, and we're entering that stage now where we're having to lay that foundation now. When they're a bit older, like Victoria's uh, son, Victoria, thank you for, for, for sharing that, and I can only imagine how, how painful that must be as a, as a mum to, to watch that happen. Forgive me if you've already tried this with your, your son, but I'm a great believer in the power of questions. So I think when that next comes up, a great question will be to gently say, that's fascinating. Can you touch, share with me what it is that's led you to that conclusion? You know, what is it that you've seen or you've read or you've studied that's led you to, 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 to change your view there? We'd love to hear that because that will give you a sense of what you're dealing with. Is it something he's come up with on his own? Is it a book or something that's shaken his faith? Um, because then, of course, the, the, the next step from there is to say, would you be willing to, to look at something on the other side of the argument? Because there are really smart men and women who take a different view of the Bible, and every argument has two sides. Uh, so try and find out how he's got there, and then see if we can draw him gently into exploring it together. But the hell thing interests me as well, because I think that would be something I'd want to ask about, to ask him to unpack that. Um, and of course, if he is holding to the view that hell is just on earth, I think a gentle question you might challenge him with is, is to ask, you know, how do you process, how do you handle them? There's no solution to this. Because the wonderful news of the Christian faith is, is hell is real and evil is real. But the whole story of what God has done in Christ is to get hell out of earth and to deal with evil once and for all. But son, if you believe that hell is here and now, there's no hope ultimately, is there? Because if all we have is humanity, history tells us that human beings keep getting worse and worse and worse and just doing evil to each other generation after generation. How do you, how do you live with that lack of hope? And just ask him, press into that a little bit. Because hell is here on earth. It's a lovely soundbite. I'd be really intrigued to see how he's living that out and how he's, pro how he's dealing with the, what that actually means in, in lived reality. 
You know, I couldn't agree with Andy more, Victoria. And, you know, what I found as a parent is that moments like this are really an invitation from God often for me to go on a journey with my child. And uh, and it bolsters my study. It bolsters my uh, time with the Lord and, and even taking these tough questions that uh, my child is processing through, uh, processing through it with them, and it, and it drives my, my study as well. So you may sense that the Lord is calling you to go deeper in your understanding of your own faith. I would also say this. It's interesting to me that he's come to like kind of some definite conclusions because, you know, uh, it's uh, either that he has adopted some new way of religious thinking and he's following some writers, some authors, or what is probably more likely is that in this day and age, he's rejected authority and just come up with his own creation kind of a la carte of what he believes, but it'd be interesting for you to find out what is he reading, what is influencing this move, and to share with him some things that you're reading to say, you know, I I read this book and I found it interesting. I'd love for you to read it and share with me your thoughts and just get into this journey with him because I believe that God will bless as you do. Now, in order to help you in that way, Victoria, we want to bless you with a complimentary copy of Andy's book, uh, just as a way of letting you know we're committed uh, to being there with you in this journey, and we're going to pray for you. Father, thank you for Victoria. Thank you for her love as a mom for her son. I pray that you would allow this journey to ultimately lead to a restoration of faith in you. Give Victoria the grace, the words to say, and I pray even as she receive Andy's book, that it will not only bolster her faith, but it will open up great conversations with her son and answering the longings of his heart and the questions of his head. Bless, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, we're going to take a break, but Andy's going to stay with us. Uh, we're also going to take your calls at 877 548 36 75. Do you have that loved one whose faith you're concerned about? We'd love to pray with you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful to be with you today, taking your phone calls. But I also am grateful for our partnership in the gospel. So many of you throughout this year have stood with us to communicate that we believe in the ministry here at Equip. And as we close this year, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I am grateful for your partnership, for your prayers, and also for your financial support. I do want to give you a financial update. This uh, part of the year for most ministries represents about 40% of our budget uh, through the generosity typically of our listeners and our partners. Uh, Such a significant portion between this month and next uh, will set the foundation for really the entire budgeting year. If uh, things go well, it allows us to be able to walk through the doors that God opens for us to not only broadcast in your community, but really throughout the U.S. and into Canada. Um, And so I'm going to ask for you to partner with us 
that we would have a testimony of both spiritual impact and good stewardship. And uh, if we've been a blessing to you today, we ask that you would consider giving your most generous year-end tax-deductible gift. Now, in order for us to hit our goal, we need many friends who can give a gift of $100 or more. So maybe you have been blessed and you've been listening and you can give a gift on this Giving Friday of uh, $100 or $500 or even a $1,000 gift. We need a few friends who can do that as well. Um, or more. So if you could call 888-644-4144, that's 888-644-4144, or go to equipradio.org, that's equippedradio.org. So greatly appreciate that. And just know, on the other side of your generosity, lives are being changed forever and for eternity. Andy Bannister is with me today, Dr. Andy Bannister. He is the director of the Solas Center for Public Christianity. It's a ministry committed to evangelism and uh, a training ministry. He has deep connections in here in North America and uh, while they're based out of the U.K., and uh, Andy's taking calls with me. Andy, before we go to our next phone call, and for those of you who are on the line, please stay. We're going to try to get to as many of your calls as possible what is behind this new wave of deconstruction? It's not not necessarily new in that people haven't always walked away from the faith. That's been true even you read about it in First John of those who are with us that are no longer with us and they walked away because they weren't a part of us. You read that language. But there's been a new wave, it seems, over the last five years or so. What What do you believe is driving that, Andy? Yeah, well, that point you start, Chris, is a crucial one, because one thing we can sometimes do is we can look back to the past and romanticize it. And imagine, you know, 30 years ago, America was entirely Christian. Everyone was wonderful. There were no problems (laughs) in the church. And then we look at today and we go, oh, my word, it's a nightmare. Um, There is a new wave. We'll come to that second. But it's, it's always been. It's always been difficult, and it's always been challenged times. I think in the past, interestingly, it was inter- it was much easier to be a sort of nominal cultural Christian and kind of ride that wave because that's what everybody did. Now you're far more likely to exit the church, so some of that's going on. But a few other things going on, I think. Chris, you touched on it earlier in the show. Authority. I think there's a big authority challenge happening across culture. That's affecting religion. It's affecting politics. You know, it's affecting journalism. You know, you ask the average person in the street, do you trust politicians? And people are going to go, you've got to be kidding me. You know, do you trust the police, the authorities? Do you trust journalists to tell the truth? No, don't trust any of those things. So we've got this wave of sort of skepticism and cynicism and and challenging and questioning authority. And and religion gets caught up in that. It's a whole series of cultural reasons uh, for that. But there's that move going on. Secondly, I think it's part of that. And the Internet has changed uh, a lot of things because in the past if you were a bit skeptical you had a couple of questions about your faith you weren't sure some things maybe you kind of worked it through you wrestled that you carried those down now of course you go online and you can find a forum for loads of people like you who are asking questions and then you sit there and you start reinforcing your skepticism you start watching youtube videos till three in the morning uh you know where some internet atheist kind of niggles away at the thing that was doubting you and you see that skepticism um, now, the plus side of the internet, of course, it's much easier to, to research things and to actually, you know, investigate things. There's great Christian websites out there and so forth. I don't want to knock the, the web, but the digital world that we're plugged into has, I think, reinforced yes. has reinforced yes. some of this. And then the last one, I would say, as we live in incre- an increasingly pluralistic society, 
uh, you know, Europe where I live, America where you are, they're no longer, you know, they're not Christendom, um, but there's much, many more options around, which means you can look around you and go, oh, I don't need to be a Christian. I can do a range of other things. And there's a very influential um, Canadian philosopher called Charles Taylor who wrote a massive fat academic book a few years ago called A Secular Age. And the big point that Charles makes in that book is we now live in an age where not being Christian is an option. And that changes everything. It changes the option. It changes things for us as Christians, actually, because now we have to contend with the fact that Christianity is not the fault position. But also for those who are struggling in whatever way, it now means there's a million options on the table. You could leave, walk away from Christianity and become a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist, or you could walk away and become a, you know, some form of secular person, a new ager, whatever it is. And that's smorgasbord of options. And that means it's crucial, by the way, for, for Christians, whether we are in leadership or we're parents. So those that we're responsible for, you know, we need to be showing folks why Christianity is true. We can't take it for granted that people just become Christians by default. We need to be explaining why Jesus, given all the options out there. Well, yeah, why Jesus is exactly why I wanted to have you on, because I do think we have to, for a fresh generation in a new way, not just assume uh, that people uh, mm-hmm. only need to know the what of our belief, but there has to be the understanding of the why we believe what we yeah. believe. You advised that earlier with uh, Terry, who called, and I could not agree with that more. And let's not forget the massive amount of church hurt that's out there. Uh, those who have yes. uh, felt and genuinely experienced mistreatment at the hand of leaders uh, of the local church who should have known better, leaders of mm-hmm. uh, denominations that uh, are just now coming out these stories And I would say this, that while there are a number of very high-profile stories that we have to be sensitive to, I also um, will say there are many, many multiplied number of local churches that are led by faithful leaders who love Jesus and are serving people well. And I don't want us to lose sight of that, nor do I want us to lose sight of the testimony of who Jesus is. So I want to come back to that, Andy, but let's go to Sherelle, who's listening patiently in Miami, Florida. Thank you so much, Sherelle, for listening. Uh, Would love to pray with you. uh, But first, share your heart. What's your comment today? Thank you for having me, taking my calls, gentlemen. Um, You said to call in if you had somebody that just walked away from the faith. And my niece did just that. She was a Christian well, I raised her as a nanny, so okay. I, I installed in her all the Christian values, and she loved the Lord with all her heart. And she went off to college and um, ended up going all the way to her master's degree, where she mm. spent a semester abroad in England and London mm. when she was 21. And um, she came back, and she announced to the family first that she was going she was bisexual. Then mm. she, about a six months to a year later, married a woman. Then after that, she told me, she called me and told me, listen, Auntie, I need you to know that I am not going to be a Christian anymore. I'm going to use some of the stuff out of the Bible, but I'm going to incorporate 
Wicca tarot card reading and something else. I can't remember the other thing, but she has an altar set up. Now she recognizes for Thanksgiving ancestor days and leaving um, food on the altar for all of these things. And See, her heart is good, but I I don't know where it was that she walked away. They're uh, very much into this woke culture and okay. everything sure. is upside down. Yes. Um, first off, um, I, I'm going to say to you what I've said to a few who've called. She is so blessed to have you in her life, and, and I just want to encourage you to continue to maintain those bonds of communication. Clearly, she, you are someone she trusts, that she loves, and uh, you communicating reciprocal love and commitment to her is as valuable as anything else we're going to say to you uh, in, in this call. Andy, as you respond to Sherelle, um, it does seem to be that our universities – have become discipleship or training centers for secular thinking, progressive thinking, if you will, that pulls people away from the Christian faith. Um, And this seems to be a part of Sherelle's niece's journey. How do you respond? What wisdom do you give? Andy, are you there? Oh, we may have disconnected from Andy. So let me let me just say, Sherelle, that as I think about what's happening in our universities, I mean, we're seeing this over and over again. So I, I would say that one of the main drivers, and you're bringing this up, is the fact that uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, deconstruction or people walking away from the faith because of uh, the universities that are out there. No doubt she has run into ideas. She's run into probably professors and authors. And it's not so much that they're sharing anything new under the sun, but it's the fact that our universities have so adopted secular thinking and progressive thinking and ideas. I think one of the ways that you have to combat this is by making sure that you're sharing with her resources. Maybe the greatest ministry that you could provide to her in addition to your prayers, Sherelle, are going to be the resources that you put into her hands. You talked about some of the places that she's been and some of the ideas that she's run into. I think about the guests that we have on this program, people like Sam Alberry, who has shared his journey of sexuality and why he contends for a biblical view of sexuality. But he does it in a way that... Uh, it humanizes those who have various uh, views while at the same time not compromising the truth. I think of Nancy Piercy, who uh, we've had on this program, who does the same thing, or uh, Rosaria Butterfield. These are uh, guests that we've had that I would encourage you when our producer talks to you, because I'm going to have her give you a copy of Andy's book. When our producer talks to you, I would love for you to get a few of those names as well. Uh, But then when it comes to defending the Christian faith, there's some great intellectual thinkers, Andy Bannister being one. I think of another, uh, John Lennox, who was on with us not too long ago, 
who also is a uh, Oxford professor of pure mathematics who can share. And I think so often the knock that the university gives to Christianity is that it's not a thinking faith, but nothing could be further from the truth. Christianity births science, and it always has been and continues to be a thinking faith. And so I want to pray for you, but I also want you to stay online so we can get you a copy of Andy's book and some of those names. Father, thank you for Sherelle. Thank you for her commitment to her niece. Lord, only you can change the human heart. And so, Lord, we pray that you administer your grace to her niece's heart and that you would bring her to the truth and that you would bring her home to you again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Andy's going to be with us. We'll be right back right after this final break. Next up on Equip. It's December, and here at Equip, we want to thank you for your generous gifts throughout this year. Your donations blessed others with the truth of the gospel, and together, we're pointing people to the life-changing hope and freedom of Jesus Christ. Let's finish this year strong by continuing to support this ministry and program, or become a first-time investor in the ministry. Give us a call today at 888-644-4144, or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful for God connecting us with Andy Bannister. You, If you ever wonder if this is a live show, hopefully the technical difficulties of today will debunk any myth that this is all pre-recorded and uh, pre-thought through. We are live with you, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And even um, in spite of some of the connections that allow us to be able to traverse the land and sea and uh, our great team. Sometimes technology is your best friend. Sometimes it challenges you, but I'm so grateful in spite of it all to have Andy on because his insights are uh, just that valuable. Andy Bannister, again, my guest, the book, How to Talk About Jesus Without Looking Like an Idiot is his latest, and I highly recommend it, in particular for those of you who really want to share your faith in a whimsical but yet truthful way that holds on to your convictions while demonstrating grace. Andy, uh, you're back with us. I do want to ask you about something I've encountered a lot, and that is um, parents who are nervous about sending their kids to universities that are only going to train them in progressive ideas and bring them, it seems, away, pull them away from the faith. I mean, even this week, a video went viral of a few Ivy League presidents who refused to yeah. condemn genocidal speech. Um, it seems like we have just gotten to a moral tipping point where we've lost our compass and our foundation. So what do you say to parents? Yeah, what a what a question, Chris. Well, at one level, I want to say, actually, um, it is worth asking the question, if you're proposing sending your child to a university or a college that has a reputation for being a complete disaster, both in terms of the politics and the educational standards are often falling and what it's doing to faith, Maybe there is a question of going, do you want your child to go to that institution in the first place? Given that parents often fund 
our children's education. I'm not saying you want to send them to some secluded Bible college in the middle of the Amish belt, lock them away and never have them encounter the real world. But maybe we need to be asking ourselves the question, those Ivy League places that once were the gold standard, are they? And the same is true here in the UK. You know, Oxford and Cambridge are once the gold standard. I think many people are asking questions. So ask that top-level question. But secondly, Chris, there was an interesting piece of research done when I was in Canada a few years ago looking at kids who'd been to college and university and who had held on to their faith. And it tried to dig into how do we build resilient college students. And they found a number of things that are important for resilience in the college years. And it was really interesting. Number one on their list of surveying thousands of kids who'd held on to their faith at university, number one was what we'd call apologetics. So ensuring that kids have been taught why they believe the things, that they've been in churches and Christian families where questions are encouraged. So if a kid has a doubt or an issue, they're not afraid to ask mum and dad or the pastor. They're not shouted down by their help. So really to produce kids who are not afraid of questions. And then secondly, the the other interesting one was kids who've had some sort of short-term mission experience, who before going to college or university have been outside of their home context. Perhaps they've gone and helped build an orphanage in Mexico, or they've gone and done a a six months of church planting in some other part of the world. And the thinking is, if you go off to college and you think that church is just you, First Baptist Church, Birmingham, Alabama, with you and your mum and your dad and 200 people you've known since you were two years old, and that is the sum total of what the church is, it looks very small. And then when you walk into university, that looks very big and urbane and different and multicultural and and broad. But if if you've got plugged into the fact that church is, you know, two billion Christians of every tribe and tongue, that it isn't just Christians in America, but it's Christians in Africa and Ukraine and the Middle East and... You know, if you get your head around the fact that the fastest growing church is the church in Iran, that the biggest Christian country in the world is shortly going to be China, you know, you realize how big the church is, then actually yes. you can walk in with your head held high at going, do you know what? I am not the odd one out. I might be on my campus, but I'm jolly well not, either globally or chronologically. So introduce your kids to church history so they know how far back things go and introduce them to the church global. And that's also, yes. by the way, it's so important in our churches, we represent that diversity in our church leadership that people go, you know, Christianity is not some white European thing, um, but actually, you know, it's uh, every tribe and tongue. And I think that builds resilience. And you can start that now, whether your Christian young people in your family are 10 years old or, or 19 years old. And then lastly, I'd add, and I think you touched on this in the answer to the previous caller, plug your kids into some of the great Christian thinkers out there. Whatever discipline they're going to speak at university, help them get connected to Christians in that field. If they study mathematics, you mentioned John Lennox, English, Rosaria Butterfield, the list goes on, because then they know they're not alone and there are really capable Christians in their field. What a great answer. It was worth all of the technical problems just to get that answer, Andy. And uh, thank you for your resiliency, my friend. Uh, I could not <laughs> appreciate you more. Thank you for joining us, Andy. Uh, friends, the name of the book is How to Talk About Jesus Without Looking Like an Idiot. Highly recommend that. Also, Please, let's make today a Giving Friday. Your generosity makes all the difference. Go to our website, equipradio.org. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.